It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Great to be with you today. And it's time to talk to our good friend, pollster Scott Rasmussen, joining us. And uh, Scott, hope you had a uh, a great Thanksgiving weekend. I know that uh, it was busy for you as uh, you've been still out doing some polling. And, uh, and I actually want to start uh, by getting to the, uh, what you've been doing in Georgia. Of course, a lot of people are looking at Georgia and what's happening. Uh, but I love the fact that you are sending a, an important message by not putting just the who's up, who's down numbers out first, but actually getting to this, what's the voice of the voter really saying in this thing? You know, Boyd, I I wrote a column uh, for the Deseret News right after the election in which I said pollsters, uh, you know, have to recognize that, that just feeding numbers into the election forecasting industry is part of the problem and that ways we've changed data on what's going on in Georgia, and there will be four or five stories out this week talk about the horse race until the last one. That's the really the least important part of this, because elections are supposed to be about what voters want, uh, not what politicians are interested in. And uh, one of the things that we found in in looking in Georgia right now is that uh, 46 percent of voters, if we asked them, you know, who do you want to control the U.S. Senate when all is said and done? 46 percent say they want Republicans in control. 42 percent say they want Democrats in control. And 7 percent say it really doesn't make much difference. I think one interesting uh, detail in that Democrats are a lot more likely to say they don't really care. I think uh, for some of those Democrats, getting Joe Biden into the White House was enough. Uh, We also asked about just we asked an open ended question about, you know, what is it that's going to make you vote? And we'll be releasing some more details on that in the coming days. Uh, But when we talked about that question, um, only a very small number of people actually mentioned control of the Senate as their primary motivation. Oh, that's fascinating. And uh, again, when you're looking at uh, an election that's happening between now and January 5th, uh, where there are just a few other things on most Americans' minds, uh, it will be interesting. Although I do think the people in Georgia, the last figure I saw was over $300 million has already been spent on ad buys. Uh, they're, they're not going to be able to see much or hear much of anything else uh, down there in, in Georgia. I- yeah, I can't even imagine, uh, you know, I think just about everybody in Georgia must have been praying for the Senate to be decided before these runoffs, because it's just going to be a horrible time to be bombarded with all uh, what I think sometimes constitutes civic pollution, all the ads that are going to be going down there. Uh, but there will be an election. Uh, it will determine control of the U.S. Senate. And right now, you know, again, it looks like if you're basing it on what we saw just a few weeks ago, it's probably going to come down to turnout. Uh, Republicans appear to be a bit more motivated, but it's very early and people are looking for a lot of different things in this race. Yeah, I think it's uh, I do think it's interesting. I love that term civic pollution. I think we need to I think we need to have a campaign around that. (laughs) 
Uh, <laughs> I think it's a big part of the problem. Uh, but so as you as you look at that, and you, you mentioned it will be really a, a turnout race. Uh, obviously, the the rhetoric around the president, what the president is saying about Republicans in the state of Georgia, uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Are you sensing anything in terms of impact of either what the left is saying that is motivating people, or what the right is saying? Uh, that might be either motivating or getting people to say, you know what, I'm done with politics for 2020? Well, there is uh, clearly when we ask about how important is the election to you or when we ask about issues or anything else, partisans are much more committed to this. People who are not closely aligned with either of the major parties are saying, I just want it to be over with, um, and they are tuning out a little bit more. Uh, the other thing, though, that we're seeing, and I don't know how this is going to to play out with what's going on with the president and his war with some of the Republican officials in the state. Um, but when we do kind of group all of the open ended responses together, uh, about 63 percent of Republicans give a either a partisan or an ideological response. You know, it's because I'm a conservative, because I'm a Republican. Uh, because I don't want the Democrats to control anything. Uh, the number of Democrats making that same partisan connection is not nearly as strong. It's a little below 50 percent. Uh, so there is a sense uh, for Republicans that this is very much a team effort, um, which is why what the president is doing is is going to make it somewhat uh, challenging. Yeah, that's going to be a very interesting needle to thread uh, for both of the Republican candidates there. I think both the uh, Democratic candidates are uh, are kind of on message and moving forward, and I think they're trying to make it. I I, I just played in the previous segment uh, some uh, comments from the president-elect and from Janet Yellen yesterday uh, talking about uh, the little guy and having the American people's back and and uh, right. many on the right criticize that. And I'm like, wait a minute, that's that's almost a verbatim from uh, a president-elect Donald Trump speech prior to taking office uh, just four years ago. So it, one of the things that you have raised, uh, Scott, that I, I think is so important is that the uh, the policy uh, implications of the rhetoric and the, the wording, even how the polling is being done, uh, that often everyone can agree on the principle that we should look out for the little guy, but what's the policy strategy uh, seems to be where we're getting lost on both sides of the aisle. That's right. And, and, you know, it's as a pollster, naturally, I would like every poll of every election to be right on the money. Uh, but I think sometimes the obsession, especially what we've been going through in the last few weeks, this idea that, wow, you're off by two points in this race and four points in this race, is, is blinding people to the much bigger potential problem, which is uh, too many polls come out using a language of official Washington or the language of the political elites, and they throw out terms that when people hear them, they don't mean the same thing. And, um, you know, an example I gave uh, in, the, in my most recent column for the Deseret News talked about uh, the immigration issue. And there was a question, you know, is immigration good or bad for America? Well, the problem with a question like that is about 80 percent of Americans say legal immigration is good. Eighty percent say illegal immigration is bad. And if you don't make that distinction, uh, a majority of people are a little bit conflicted. They don't know how to respond. And I think, by the way, that particular misunderstanding about the issue of immigration is a big reason Donald Trump was elected Mm -hmm. in 2016. The political class had no understanding of how the American people viewed that issue. Um, And while polls are part of the problem, analysis is too, 
Uh, one of the things that became very clear in election 2020 is our political elites have no idea how vast segments of America view the world. And I'm talking about rural voters, voters without a college degree and minorities. Yeah, and I think that is such a critical piece. If you haven't seen this piece, we've got it posted on our Facebook page. And, of course, you can see that at Deseret.com as well. Uh, my producer, Kellyanne, was uh, going to have you come in to, to a singing of uh, potato, potato, tomato, tomato. Uh, <laughs> because what the American people are speaking and what the political elites are interpreting uh, really are two different things, aren't they? They are. And, you know, it's... Um... Uh, I, I paraphrase the old line about uh, the U.S. and England were uh, two nations separated by a common language. Well, the American people and their political leaders are two nations right now separated by a common language. And the problem is too many polls are kind of asking, well, here's what one political team says. Here's what the other team said. Whose side are you on? Uh, a better use of our profession would be to dig a little deeper into what the American people are thinking, what they are looking for, and then – Make sure the people in power hear it. And, and by the way, I'm, uh, just to give you a, a little different perspective, uh, some other polling I've done right now, just over 50 percent of voters say Joe Biden's doing a good job as president-elect. Uh, there's reason to believe that number will slip quickly under 50 percent as soon as he becomes president, because that's our, <laughs> our partisan nature. But the most interesting part of the poll found that people think it is far more important for this president to focus on restoring trust in government and politics and elections rather than trying to advance policy goals. Uh, you know, that idea of restoring some civic trust, very important to the American people. Awesome. Great insight as always. Scott Rasmussen joining us today. Appreciate that insight. We'll have you back for more Georgia coming up later this week. All right, we're going to step aside for bottom of the hour news. When we come back, we'll get into some mental fitness. Stay with us on KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.